Man, I tell you, the Lord is good, amen. And I want you to turn to Jeremiah, chapter number 18. And uh, I'm amazed how the Lord works things out. Uh, we were supposed to be preaching this week in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, my mom's just, she is so close to going to see the Lord. She just, she won't walk through the door. And uh, she wants to stay because she loves me. Y'all act like you don't believe it. Let me tell you what happened at Spruce Street one night. Your daddy had that place packed out uh, for the Jubilee. And I was probably 25, 26 years old, weighed 125 pounds. You say, what do you weigh now? Ain't none of your business. And uh, so my wife, of course, she's late, bless her heart. She's going to be late for the rapture. She's really Presbyterian. But anyway, uh, her and my mom come in late, and every seat was taken except two little folding chairs in the back. And so they're sitting back there, and Brother Fry gets up and says, All right, you know, with that golden voice, our dear friend Brother Joatha is going to come and bring the message tonight. And this little old 25-year-old, 125-pound, soaking wet, wet behind the ears, kid gets up and starts to the platform. Well, this preacher on the back row right in front of my mother had no idea who I was and had no idea who that little lady was sitting behind him. And he didn't mean any harm. He just said to his wife, yeah, I wonder what we're going to get into now. She told him right there in that church, she said, Sir, let me tell you what you're about to hear. Holy Ghost preaching, and I hope you can handle it. <laughs> and after church, Brother Bob Hall come up to me and said, Brother Joe, I didn't know me no harm. I know it's your mama. I said, Be careful who you talk about in North Carolina. We're all kin to one another. Say amen, right? In fact, they said over there around Ashburn, you get a divorce, you say, Judge, you were still cousin. Somebody say amen right there. But uh, but I, I was supposed to be up at the, at the singing at sea preaching, and I had to cancel that. I didn't want to get too far from Mama. And uh, so your pastor called. He said, would you happen to have Monday and Tuesday open? I said, if you're close to my Mama, I got it open. And uh, I appreciate last night. I'm glad to be here tonight. And Brother Rackley's coming back tomorrow night. And so you tell him that a nurse made such a mess that a doctor had to come in and straighten it out. Amen. And uh, the Lord is good. And I appreciate the blessings of God. And we do need revival. We really do. And we can blame the world. We can blame politics. We can blame everything in the world we want to blame it on. But I preached this to our people the other night. I said it happened on our watch. It didn't happen on the other men's watch. It happened on my watch. And I feel responsible. And I'm trying to fan the flame of old-time religion. One of my members asked me, and they wouldn't being smart. They were just being honest. They said, Preacher. Uh, you, you seem to be really intent on God doing something. Said, uh, what's your motivation? 
I said I got a five-fold motivation. Five reasons I want to see God change and revive America. And she said, what would they be? I said, Michaela. Amen. Heidi. Holly. McKenna. And Molly Kate. You say, who are that? That's my five beautiful, educated, talented granddaughters. I mean, seven to two. They're already teaching Sunday school, running bus routes, and playing pianos. My kids, you ain't never seen nothing like my grandkids. But I want to see God do it for my children and my children's children. And so the next generation can enjoy what you and I have been so blessed to enjoy. In Jeremiah chapter number 18 tonight, I'm glad the God we serve is the God that fixes broken things. He fixes broken nations. He fixes broken families. He fixes broken hearts. He fixes broken lives. You say, how do you know? Because he fixed me. Shelton Smith, the editor of the Sword of the Lord, made this statement the other day we were together. And man, I, I can't get over it. He pastored a church in Maryland for 17 years. And he said, This is what we called our church the fixing station. The fixing station. Whatever we could do for somebody to fix them, praise God, I'm glad it's the fixing station. And I'm glad you're in the fixing station. And Jesus is right for whatever is wrong in our lives. Jeremiah chapter 18 tonight. And let's begin reading in verse number 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down. Can I just stop and say tonight some of the greatest lessons in your life that you'll ever learn about mercy and grace and forgiveness and restoration won't be on the upside. It's going to be on the downside. But I'm glad where I'm at does not change who God is. And I'm glad our geographical location does not diminish God's divine ability to meet our need. He said, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of gold. Let me try that again. And the vessel that he made of silver. Nope. And the vessel that he made of fine brass. No. And the vessel that he made of clay. And in the margin of your Bible, write down the definition of clay. Dirt wad. You know what we are tonight? Dirt wads. But I'm glad he died for dirt wads. I'm glad he saves dirt wads. And I'm glad he's got a plan for dirt wads. 
You say, well, that makes me feel bad. Well, we're all dirt wads. And the vessel that he made of clay was what? Perfect without sin was what? Marred. But notice it was marred in the hand of the potter. So he threw it away and said, I'm finished. I'm done. It's over. No, I must be reading one of them funny Bibles. Let me read it out of the right one. So he made it again. Now listen to this line. Another vessel has seemed good to the potter to make it. I love the passages in the Bible that magnify that relationship between God and his people. It reminds us of who God is to us and what we are to him. To use the words of the little Shudamite girl in the Song of Solomon, I am his and he is mine. I'm glad I belong to somebody tonight. And I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to the devil. I don't belong to the brethren. But I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Hallelujah. He's the Father. I'm the Son. He's the Shepherd, and I'm the sheep. He's the cornerstone, and I'm the building. He's the physician, and I'm the patient. He is the master, and I am the follower. He is the captain, and I am the soldier. He is the vine, and I am the little twig. He's the groom, and I'm the bride. He's the savior, and I'm the saved. But praise God, he's the potter, and I'm the clay. You you say that's elementary. That may be, but there's a lot of people hasn't figured out who the potter is and who the clay is. They think they're the potter, and he's the clay. But brother, he ain't Monty Hall behind curtain three on let's make a deal. Now these young people are going, who in the world is that? We'll tell you later. Brother, he is the potter, and we are the clay. He's the heavenly potter. He's the perfect potter. He's the patient potter. He is somebody that's working his divine purpose in your life and in mine. And I like the words of the little song, he's still working on me. And I'm glad tonight that I know who he is. He is working his divine purpose in your life and in mine. Nor can I quote you a verse of Scripture. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it under the day of redemption. And I'm glad he is the God that fixes broken things. Several years ago when my kids were at home, and I really miss my children being at home. You say, what do you miss about that? Well, as long as they were at home 
there were at least two people there that had to do what I say. You say, doesn't Mrs. Arthur live with you? Yes. But, amen. And I remember loving my kids being at home. And I remember one spring I was getting ready for the fishing season. Man, I was out there in my garage going to get my rods and reels and put my new line on and sharpen my hooks. And uh, why in the world would an would a, would a educated, sane man play golf when there's fish to catch and deers to kill? Can I say amen right there? And so my favorite rod, my Berkeley 100% graphite rod, was on the top. And man, I was trying to wiggle that rod off. Now, here's what men do. Real men do this. Instead of getting a stool or a ladder, climbing up there and dedicatedly removing it from the wall, a real man is in too big of a hurry. We'll just jerk on it and pull on it until we break it. And so I jerked and pulled and I broke that tip off of my rod. Man, that really broke my heart. And I, I said to my little girl standing there, I said, come on, let's ride up to the tackle shop and I'm going to get a tip for this rod. So she jumps in the car and we go up Tire Boulevard and we pull in the little tackle shop. And I get me a little tip and I get me a little tube of super glue. And right beside of the tackle shop was a little Caesar's Pizza. And I guess they got the stuff from the tackle shop and put it on the pizza. I don't know. But when she saw that, she said, let's get a pizza. I said, that to be fine. So while they're cooking the pizza, I'm going to fix my rod. Well, if you know anything about me, I am a breaker and not a fixer. I am a messer upper and not a carpenter. I can tear down a wall, but I can't build a birdhouse. And so I'm trying to fix that little rod. And I've got super glue on me. I've got super glue on the tip. I've got super glue on the rod. I got super glue on the stern wheel. And I should have put some on her mouth. Because in about three minutes, she looked up and she said, Dad, I don't think you know what you're doing. I said, quit talking like your mama and get behind me, Satan. And in a few minutes, Brother McDaniel, she looked up at me with the most innocent look. She said, Daddy, why don't you give that thing to Jesus? He fixes everything. Son, I forgot about the tip. I forgot about the rod. I forgot about the pizza. I forgot that I was on the main drag of our town, that I pastored the church on the main drag in town. And I got out of that car, and I had me a Pentecostal Nazarene Baptistic hair-flying, snot-slinging spell that, thank God, I'm glad you can give it to Jesus because he fixes everything. Can I remind you tonight, Christ did not used to be the answer. He's not going to be the answer. He's not several of the answers. Christ is the answer. He is the hope. He is the way. 
He is the truth. He is the life. He is the potter. He is the physician. He is the advocate. He is the shepherd. He is the master. He is the teacher. He is the Lord of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, and I'm glad you can give it to Jesus. He fixes everything. Man, I'm enjoying this. If I'd have known I'd have had this much fun, I'd have come Sunday night and came back tomorrow night. Look in the text tonight. Some things about this heavenly potter. In the text, I want you to see the potter's house. The potter's house. Beside of that word house, write down this little phrase, the place where the potter works. He said, Jeremiah, I want to take you to this place. And I'm going to take you down to this place. But when you get down to this place, you're going to be glad you got to this place. It's a special house where this master fixes broken things. It's a special house where he takes nothing and makes something. I just want to say, blessed be the day. I got dug up, brought out, and brought in to the potter's house, a place where he fixes broken things. You say, Brother Joe, where are we tonight? We're in the potter's house. We're in the potter's house. You say, what's going on in here? He's fixing broken things. I'm glad when that potter finds that clay, he not only leaves, he doesn't leave it like he finds it. He doesn't leave it where he finds it. He finds that clay in the clay pit, in the dark, deep, moist place. But he doesn't leave it there. He picks it up and brings it to a place called the potter's house. And if that dirt wad will keep its patience and stay in that potter's house, it ain't no telling what God's going to do with that dirt wad. Boy, I'm glad God has a place, and it's called the house of the Lord. You're in the potter's house tonight. You're in the father's house tonight. You're in the fixing place tonight. Boy, I feel about it like David did when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I feel like David when he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the ungodly. I feel like David did when he said, I got my eyes on the suffering of the righteous and the prosperity of the wicked and my feet had well nigh slipped and I was just about a goner but I went to the house of the Lord and I walked in that sanctuary and in that place called the house of the Lord, my soul was fed, my heart was encouraged, my life was blessed. I'm glad for the potter's house. I'm glad for the house of the Lord. Isn't it good tonight in this place? God is working on you and he's working on me. Oh, can I run this a little bit? The church is not for good people. 
Somebody said, how many good people go to your church? All the good people join First Baptist. All the jacked up people come to my place. All the messed up people come to my place. By the way, the church is like Jesus, the founder. He didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you glad there's a place on the side of the road? It ain't for good people. It's not for perfect people. It's for people like you and I with troubles and trials and mess-ups and mars. Somebody said, Brother Joe, have you heard the latest rumor on you? I said, what is it now? Brother Joe, they're telling it all over town. He lets anybody come to his church. You got that right, brother. I'm glad the light is on and the door is open and all are invited and none are excluded. Boy, I come out of my little perch one day and got up on my little seat and I looked and sitting right there was a family and I knew they went to a another church in our area. And I knew for them to be in our church on Sunday morning, something ain't exactly right. And so after church, I just said, hey, what are y'all doing here? I'm glad you're here, but something's wrong. What are you doing here? They said, Brother Joe, we need a place to come and get some healing and get some help. Because our pastor told us not to come back to church till we, till we could get ourselves straightened out. And we just won't know could we come and get ourselves straightened out. I said, well, I'll tell you what, if this is where you get straightened out, I'd probably stay here. And I started to call that brother and say, you got any more mess ups you want me to help you with? You know what it's like telling somebody they can't go to church till they get their problems solved? That's like the doctor saying, don't come here if you're sick. Don't you call me if you're sick. Well, I thought you was a doctor. My daughter's a lawyer in our, in our county, and man, she stays busy. And she called me one day. She said, Dad, it's just stoned on me. Your job and mine is a lot alike. I said, no, Joanna, I'm honest. She said, no, no, no. She said, here's where we're alike. If it wasn't for crazy people, we wouldn't have a job. Brother, if it wasn't for these members that keep us up late at night, they wouldn't need us. They need you. You need the church. You need the Lord. I need the church. I need the Lord. I'm glad there's a place I can go and not be rejected. They're not going to condescend to me. They're not going to look down their stinking fire seal nose and judge me. But they're going to love me and pray for me and help me and encourage me. I'm glad for the house of the Lord. I'm glad for the house of the potter, the place where he works in your life and in mine. Just have a seat. Hang on, baby. The potter's in the house and he's in business and this is a good place for him to fix 
fix that which is wrong in your life. Thank God for the potter's house. The place whoo, where the potter is a working on that clay. We digs down in that old dark, deep, dirty, filthy clay pit and picks it up and says, Dirt Wad, I'm going to take you to this special place. Ain't no other place like it on planet Earth. It's the joy place. It's the love place. It's the helping place. It's the learning place. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to put you in that house. And I'm going to put you on that wheel. And I'm going to take my water. <laughs> Woo! And I'm going to bless you in that house. I'm going to make something out of your life in that house. And I know, I know. I know you're just a dirt wad now, but see that pretty vessel holding them flowers? Oh, yeah. In this place, I'm going to take this, and I'm, Lord, how many remember? I'm about to fool around and enjoy my own preaching right there. How many remembers what you were, who you were, when the potter stuck you in the potter's house and blessed be the day he dug you up, brought you out, brought you to, brought you. Turn to somebody right now. Turn to somebody right now and say, ain't it good to be in the potter's house? Ain't it good to be in the potter's house? Turn around. Ain't it good to be in the potter's house? And you turn back around and say, yeah, bless God, and you need it. You need it. You need it. Aren't you glad for the potter's house? Thank God for this place. The house of the Lord and the potter's house. Secondly, in the text, I want you to see the potter's hand. The potter's hand in the text. The word came to Jeremiah and he said, Son, I want you to go down with me. And when I get you down to this place, I'm going to show you something. Boy, this touches me. And Jeremiah walks in that potter's house. And immediately his eyes are drawn to the potter's hands. The first, whoo, the first thing about that potter that got a hold of Jeremiah was the potter's hands. Beside of that, write down this word, the personal touch. You know what amazed Jeremiah when he walked in that potter's house and saw that dirt wad in that house on that wheel, the potter wasn't beating it with a ball bat. He wasn't whacking on it with a sledgehammer. He wasn't stomping the life out of it with his foot. You know what he was working with? His hands. You know what that tells me something? You can't potter from a distance. If you're going to potter, you got to wrap your hands all around the dirt wad. And I want to say to the dirt wad, dirt wad, the greatest day in your life is when the potter got you in his hand. I don't even have to comment on that. 
the greatest day in your life and in mine is when his hand reached further down than we could reach up and it's in the potter's hand. I'm glad he's a personal potter, a one-on-one potter. Blessed be the day when he got his hand on my life. And that clay is in the potter's hand. Can I remind you of something tonight? Your life is not in your hands. Your life is not in the devil's hands. Your life, thank God, is not in the world's hands. If I wasn't an independent Baptist, I'd break out right here. He got the whole world. Amen. Brother, he's got the world in his hand and the stars in his hand and the nations in his hand and he's got the church in his hand. I'm glad for his hand. It's that mighty hand that made a path through the Red Sea and a mighty path that smashed down the walls of Jericho and the mighty hand that locked the jaws of the lion and shielded Moses in the cliff of the rock. His healing hands, his guiding hands, his blessing hands, his protecting hands, hands and sometimes even his chastening hand but his loving hands and his leading hands. Hallelujah. Thank God for the hand of the potter and he's got his hand on your life and in mine and he knows what he's doing with the dirt wall. And as Jeremiah's eyes were attracted to the hands of the potter, then he saw the clay. And I want you to see how the Holy Ghost words it in your King James Bible, in our text. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Marred. That means imperfect. Uh, that means flawed. Uh, that means messed up. Ah, uh, that means something's wrong with it. Now, brother, let me tell you something. We all are marred, imperfect, flawed, jacked up. Something ain't right about us. You know what the problem is with the clay? It came out of a ground under the curse. You know what's wrong with us? We came out of a dirt wad from a pile of dirt in an earth under the curse. And if he wasn't a good potter, he couldn't do nothing with any of us. But he's the heavenly potter and the eternal potter. And he's working with flawed clay. But brother, when I saw this, I like to kick the back end of my choir robe out. Notice what it said in the text. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred, read on, marred in the hand of the potter. Even though it was marred, it was still in his hand. Even though it was flawed, it was still in his hand. Even though he was imperfect, it was, 
Oh, he didn't take his hands off the clay. He didn't go to the potter's field behind the potter's house and open the door and chuck it out there and say, a documents, I'm finished, I'm done. Oh, that's what Judas bought with his old betrayal money. But I'm glad I'm not in that potter's field, accursed and away from God. I'm in his house, I'm in his hand. I bless the day he didn't throw the clay away. He didn't forsake me. He didn't abandon me. He didn't desert me. But he looked beyond what I was to see what he was going to do in my life. I may be marred, but he still got his hand on me. There was a man here last night, a dear friend of mine, and, and uh, he's a businessman. He, he, he's a developer. And we'll, we'll ride down the road, and I'll see a cornfield surrounded by hardwoods, hallelujah, and a creek running through it, you know what I see? Deer stands. Places to dress up like Rambo. And ambush Bambi and his mama and his daddy and his brother and his sister. And last year, I killed his great-grandfather. I see places to go hunting. Not him. He sees a cornfield surrounded by hardwoods with a creek running through it. He don't see deer stands. He sees trailer parks. He sees subdivisions. He sees Walmarts. He sees Dollar Generals. Twelve of them on the same block. I really think when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, bless God, there was a dollar general under all of the rubbish. <laughs> and if you go in there and find anything for a dollar, let me know about it. It ought to be called dollars general. But, I, but he's my friend and he's your, and I, I'm amazed at what he can see. I don't see a subdivision there. I see a deer stand. And that's why he drives one of them cars that talks to you. I'm just telling you, brother, if you get in a car and it calls you by name, you something. I mean, I'm just glad to have an F-150. My brother back there is just honored to have a broken down Dodge. And uh, <laughs> there he goes again. He's getting in the flesh again. I mean, I'm just glad to have one to get me to the Dollar General and back. He's got one that talks to him. You know what it is? He knows what he's looking for. He can see what others cannot see. Oh, when that potter finds that clay, he doesn't find a beautiful vessel like that. He finds a dirt wad. But he ha I'm about to pull a James Brown. I feel good. <laughs> Woo! He he's been listening to me. Did you hear how he laughed? <laughs> he's a hero, ain't he, brother? God bless you. Woo! He don't wear that purple coat for nothing. I ain't that right. Hey! Hey, aren't she glad when God found us? He looked beyond what we were to see what we're going to become. 
When I see people, I see people. If they drunk, I see drunks. If they're jacked up, I see jacked up. If they mean and bad and dude and rude and crude, I see mean, bad, dude, rude and crude. But oh, when God sees those same people, he sees pastors, Sunday school teachers, bus workers, tithers, tithers, how many? Tithers. Why? He knows what he's looking for. And even though it's marred and imperfect, he doesn't throw the clay away. He keeps his hand on it. And notice the wording in the text. So. (laughs) You know what that word so in the Bible means? To the extent of. For God so loved the world to the extent of that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible said God is not just great. He is so great to the extent of. Our salvation in the Hebrew the epistle is called so great. Salve, hallelujah. So Lord, how good are you say I'm saved to the extent of. So, to the extent of, look in the text, so he made it again another vessel. He made it again. He did it again. He restored again. He used it again. He blessed it again. He touched it again. Are you glad he's the alive God? Are you glad he's the able God? Are you glad he's the awesome God? Are you glad he's the amazing God? Are you glad he's the abundant God? But I'm glad he's the again God. What God has done before, he has no problem doing it again. That's what the little girl was singing about. Do it again in our church. Do it again in our nation. Do it again in my family. Wilt thou not revive us again? He made it again. God can do it again in your life. Before I see the potter's house, and I see the potter's hand. Well, look at verse 4. I see the potter's happiness. Or let me say it like this, I see the potter's heart. Because verse 4 in the text said, So he made it again another vessel, and get a hold of this phrase, as seemed good. As seemed good, not to the clay, not to the other vessels, but seem good to the potter to make it. Glory. Do you preach to your wife before you preach to them? And every once in a while I say, Julie, come here. I got a thought. And, and just to satisfy me, she'll listen. Now, bless God, she never done nothing about it, but she will at least listen. And every once in a while, she'll say, hmm. I said every once in a while. 
boys in that study the other day. Boy, God got so big. I was running through the house. I jumped on the bed and used it for a trampoline. I forgot to take my shoes off, so she fussed at me a little bit. And I said, girl, you got to listen to this. And she started crying. She got blessed. You realize one time in 40 years she got blessed at something I said. This is awesome. I said, baby, look at what it said. He made it another vessel. He didn't say it was the same color. He didn't say it was the same size. He didn't say it was even for the same purpose. But he made him another one out of that one that was messed up. Whoo! And whatever one that came out of that one that was messed up, it may not have been the same shape. It may not have been the same size. It may not have been the same color. It may not have been the same purpose. But glory to God, whatever it was, brought a smile on the potter's face because he said, that's good. That's good. I believe he said something like this. That's what I've been after all the time. That's what I've been trying to get all the time. Oh, I got rid of all that self, all that stubborn clay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad he's still working on you. He's still working on me. And the one that found the clay is the one that fashioned the clay and the one that forms the clay. And one day he's going to finish the clay and set us on dress display and the heavenly potter is saying, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's good. Oh, have you ever let the Lord, have you ever let the Lord walk you hand in hand through Romans 8? If he ever does that for you, Lord, I God, children, you'll never be the same. And he talked about all these things and he named them. And he named some pretty rough stuff in them things he said that we're more than conquerors of. But right in the midst of all of those things, the uncomfortable, unwanted, bad, nauseating things, he said, somehow, he reaches in and he works it together for my good. And his glory. I'm going to tell you something now. I have a hard time with that sometimes. Because I look at a lot of stuff and go, I don't see no good in that. I watched my little mama gasp for breath today and moan and groan in pain. He can't even talk to me, just moan at me. Weighs 60 pounds. I, I don't see no good in that. I don't see no good in that for me and no good in that for her. But I don't know everything. And I'm just trusting God's going to make her another vessel. In my mama's prime, 
son, she, I mean, I, I mean, she was the perfect lady. I mean, dressed to the nines, that hair fixed, boy, that makeup just right, and you could smell her coming down the road 5,000 miles. That's mama. I can smell white diamonds, I'm telling you. Lord, have mercy. Man, if she had some of that English leather, she really would have been smelling good. And son, my mama walked in the room, Terry, to tell you right now, I mean, son, she was just the lady. She was just beautiful. And my little sister fixed her hair today. And she, and even in that state that she's in, she's still beautiful to me. But boy, I'm telling you, I can only imagine, whoo, I can only imagine what my mama it's going to look like when the potter gets through working in her life and she passes from Burlington, North Carolina to the New Jerusalem as a finished product of the heavenly potter. I believe we're going to say, Mama, that's good right there. That's good right there. That's good right there. Hey, God's not forgot about you. God's not forsaken you. God's not failed you. God's not finished with you. He's still working. He still cares. Aren't you glad for the potter's happiness? He made it again another vessel. That seemed good to the potter to make it. I'll answer this question at least three to four times a week with preachers, church members, former deacons, singers, whatever. I answer this question three to four times a week. Brother Joe, I took my eyes off the Lord. I got distracted. I got my eyes on people. I got hurt. I made some bad choices. I didn't do right. What am I going to do now? You're going to get up. You're going to fall in the hands of the potter. And he's going to make you again another vessel. Oh, but they said it would never be the same. Well, I don't know if it was the same vessel or not, but whatever he made, it was good. Oh, if you'll let God forgive you and restore you and bless you and help you. Hey, just let me say it like this in closing. If God gives you a second chance, it don't mean you're second class. Can I run down there and say that one? If God gives you a second chance, that doesn't mean you're second class. Oh, but what's God going to do? He's going to make you another one. He's going to make you another one. He's going to make you another one. And the other one, he's going to say, that's good. He may not even have said that about the first one. But son, that one he made again, he said, that's good. That's good. I'm glad he's got my best interest in mind. I can trust him. I can love him. He's the potter. I'm the clay. And I'm thankful for the potter's house, the potter's hand, the potter's happiness, which is really the potter's heart. Preacher McDaniel, in closing tonight, I, I see Jonah laying on that seashore in a pile of whale vomit marred by disobedience. 
But you know what the Bible said? It said the word came again unto Jonah the second time. And he got up and he went to Nineveh and preached one sermon and a whole city got gloriously saved. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I see Elijah under that juniper tree marred by discouragement wishing to die. But you know what the Bible said? But the angel touched him again. Brought him some angel food. Bless God, he didn't bring him no devil's eggs. He brought him some angel eggs. He didn't bring him devil's food cake. He brought him angel food. And he ate of that food and went 40 days in the journey of that meal because God did it again. And what about old Samson? Grinding in the prison house of a false god marred by disgrace. And you can't get no lower than Samson got in that prison house. He lost his vision. He lost his joy. He lost his freedom. He lost his testimony. And he's about to lose his life. But he goes down out of that temple and he calls on God Woo! one more time. And I read this the other day. I ain't got over it yet. Samson's down there being made sport of and I can see that old hot Egyptian sun bearing down on his brow. And Samson reaches up to wipe the sweat but the Bible said, how be it, the hair of his head began to grow again. How many of you like me would love to wake up in the morning and do like that and say, whoo, it's a growing again. But old preacher McDaniel, there's more than hair coming back. God's coming back. The potter's coming back. Redemption's coming back. You say, Brother Joe, you're misinterpreting the scripture. He died a shameful death in the house of the ungodly. I'll agree if all you read is the book of Judges. But come here a minute. There's a cross. And there's a Savior that died. And there's a Savior that was buried and rose again. And he established a new covenant. Called the New Testament. And you go down to the book of Hebrews, where Christ is better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than the angels, a better sacrifice upon a better covenant to give us a better promise that we might find a better way and have a better resurrection and go live in a better country. And go to that 11th chapter, to the Hall of Fame, where the big boys hang out. I mean, were them that really did something great for God have their picture on the wall? And as I walk in, I'm not amazed to see Abraham, the altar builder. 
I'm really not amazed to see Noah, the boat builder. I'm really not amazed to see old Jacob, the angel wrestler, and Moses, the great emancipator. Wow. But something catches my eye. And hanging on the wall with the greats. You ain't never going to believe who it is. Samson. Does that blow your mind? How rotten scoundrel like him can get in the hall of fame of faith? Well, I tell you in closing tonight, before you try to figure that out, let me tell you one even more mind-boggling than that. How dirt wads like you and I are going to be in heaven someday. And when we find out and figure out how nobody's like us got to go to heaven someday, we're worried how Samson got to the Hall of Fame. I'll tell you how he got there and how we're going to get there. He's the potter, we're the clay, and he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Whoever told you it's too late, it's too bad, it's too messed up, Hadn't read their Bible. He'll do it again. Our Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Glory, hallelujah, we love you tonight. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and patience and faithfulness. And I'm glad, Lord, though I fail you, you never failed me. And I pray for our nation. Do it again. I pray for our churches. Do it again. I pray for the next generation that they'll see the God of thee again. And in our own hearts and in our own lives. Do it again. Our tears, our joy, our influence. God, do it again. Make us another vessel. Give us another revival. Give us another move. Give us another church. Give us another outpouring of thy Holy Ghost. Thank God you're the potter. We're the clay. And God, we submit to thee tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. We're standing all over the building tonight and could you play Have Thine Own Way, Lord? Have Thine Own Way? You were going to play that anyway, wasn't you? And listen to that. And I wonder how many would join me, your pastor, and these others. Let's just get on our knees tonight before the holy God of heaven and say, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. that line, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Oh, may we not bow up at the potter, 
but submit to his dealings in our life. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Sing that little verse with me. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded. Oh my. While I am waiting, yielded still. Praise the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God. Amen.